chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. We'll read a few verses there from chapter 11 in just a moment. Let me take just a a minute of your time, if I might, to again express the appreciation that I have for the opportunity to come and to uh, present lessons from God's Word. I'm very thankful for the elders asking me uh, to come to be with you. Uh, I do realize that uh, that young family that's not here tonight on their way to Florida uh, probably had a little bit to do with uh, us getting to know you and you getting to know us and since they're not here I'll talk just a second about them and tell them how much I appreciate them and all that they do. Uh, I know that you know better than I do uh, what they're involved in and how they are working and I very much appreciate it. I've told them that too just like I tell Miss Jeannie I love her. Hebrews chapter 11 uh, beginning at verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Though through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it he being dead still speaks. By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death, and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. All this week, we've been looking at the idea of faith from various aspects. Some of the things that we'll mention tonight are going to be a little bit of a recap of some things that we've touched on in greater detail, but it's all with a goal to remind us of an action that faith will take. And that's, that's the goal for our, our lesson this evening. But I haven't done this yet, and I thought now is a good time, because, as was mentioned, we're kind of in the middle of uh, the, uh, the series. And from this point on, the, the next lessons after this are, are going to be a little different, still touching on the idea of faith and, and what faith will do. And so we need to make sure that we understand that Faith involves action. I I appreciate the songs that have been led. I was asked early on uh, what some of the the thoughts or the lesson titles were going to be. And I know that there was a great deal of diligence done to try to pick songs that would encourage and strengthen the things that we're going to say. And the the song we just sang, I want to be a worker for the Lord. Go back again and think about and read those words with the thoughts of what we're going to talk about tonight. And I hope that it will have a deeper meaning and you'll have a greater appreciation for it. 
So we all want to define the word faith. I haven't done that yet. And the word faith is defined as a conviction of truth of anything, a belief. It is also described as relating to the conviction that God exists. Trust and holy favor born of faith and joined with it relating to the conviction that God exists and is the creator and ruler of all things. It is belief that God will bestow eternal salvation through Jesus. That's the end result. That's something that we can acquire to know that God will grant salvation. We have faith in God that that will take place. Now, we know what the scriptures teach us in passages like Romans chapter 5 and verse 1 that tells us that therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we've looked at this a little bit in previous lessons to, to understand what it means to be justified, made right by our faith. And the Apostle Paul uses Abraham that we'll get to a little bit in just, uh, in just a little bit to think some more about what Abraham can teach us. And we're familiar with 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7 that tells us that we walk by faith, not by sight. We, we've talked a little bit already of believing without seeing and some, some things that we can think about with that. So what I want you to understand is that faith is a foundational matter. It is the foundation of our salvation. And when we talk about things that are a foundation, we want rock solid. We want things that are not going to shift, that are not going to move. Think about the, the story that Jesus tells that we probably best remember this, the story via the song that we sing. The wise man builds his house upon a rock. The foolish man builds his house upon the sand. In that story, and what Jesus is reminding us of is to have a rock-solid foundation. And that's what faith is. Faith is that foundation. It is at the heart of everything that we do. But when we've looked at this idea of faith, we walking by faith and not by sight, did you catch that there's an action involved in that? We walk by faith. There's something that needs to be done with our faith. It is the motivation. It is the source of energy for our spiritual journey. Let's go back and look at what we have in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 again. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, notice we have the New King James. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. A couple other translations there for you. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. One translator puts it this way, Now faith is a well-grounded assurance of that for which we hope and a conviction of the reality of things which we do not see. This idea of assurance and substance. What this word means is that which has foundation, it is firm, it is fixed. That which has actual existence again think back to some of the former lessons this is not a blind faith this is not just something that i go oh yeah i i, I believe it no there's there's something that's substance there 
It's real being. It's substantial quality. It's substantial nature of a person or thing. It's a steadfastness of mind. It's a firmness. It's a courage. It's a resolution. It's confidence. It's a firm trust. It's assurance. We understand what all of those words mean, but do we, do we understand that that's what faith is? It's the substance of things hoped for. You know, our spiritual lives are to be characterized by activity. They're to be characterized by, a action, by action, by vigor. When we think about what we read in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Where does faith come from? It comes from us hearing the word of God. And like that, like that story that I mentioned earlier, building our faith from God's word, that's building on the rock. Faith is what produces an action in us. Faith produces an action. James chapter 2. We'll get to a, a little bit later, but notice James chapter 2. I mentioned the story, Luke chapter 6. That's the, the verses, Luke chapter 6, verses 47 through 40, 49. But faith produces an action in James chapter 2. We have the story, we have the reminder of, of Abraham. James chapter 2 and verse 21. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect. Now, we remember the story of Abraham offering his son Isaac. In fact, that's what we read in Hebrews chapter 11, that that's exactly what Abraham did. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 17, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. Now, we know when we go back and read in the book of Genesis that Abraham didn't literally kill Isaac. The scriptures tell us that he offered Isaac. He took the action that was necessary for God to know, you believe in me. You believe my words. And Abraham took action. Think about the individuals on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. When they heard the word of God proclaimed, Peter and the other apostles, they stood up and they told the truth about Jesus Christ and his death, his burial, his resurrection and how they had seen him. And that same Jesus had been made both Lord and Christ. And they heard those words. They were convicted. They were cut to their heart. And do you remember the, the question that they asked? Men and brethren, what shall we do? Well, know what action need to be taken because faith is a foundational principle that produces action we go over to the book of James again faith is what produces our prayer life 
James chapter 1. James chapter 1, beginning at verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. We're looking at the idea that faith is a foundational principle and that faith is going to cause us to do something. And we're reminded here, it's going to produce prayer within our life. And if we don't have that foundation, if we don't have that, that faith behind our prayers, then it's not going to profit us anything. Be described like that double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Turn over and look at what we read in Ephesians chapter 3. In Ephesians chapter 3, verses 11 and 12, According to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. We're looking at things that are, are a, a result of our faith in Jesus Christ, in our faith in God, in our faith in his word. It produces a boldness and a confidence within us. Faith produces action. We looked at last night, uh, just over the next uh, chapter or so, over Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 16, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. It's because of our faith that we can be battle ready. We're ready for action against Satan because we've got faith on our side. Faith is a foundational principle and it produces action. Now, faith is the foundation, if we go back to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, it's the foundation of things hoped for. These are things that where we trust in God to keep his promises. That's our faith. That's our confidence in his word. When God says, hey, Abraham, go and offer your son Isaac. Remember what Hebrew writer told us about Abraham? He believed that God could raise him from the dead. That's why he was, had the knife drawn. He was ready to offer his son Isaac because he had confidence in what God had told him he would do. What did God tell him? To raise up a seed, and you're going to have you're going to have descendants like the sands of the sea. Abraham had faith. Titus chapter one. Titus chapter one and verse two. Titus one and verse two. In hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie promised before time began. We trust in God to keep his promises when we have faith. When we have that faith that's producing action, like with Abraham, 
in hope of eternal life, which God has promised. Just like with God had promised to Abraham, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bless your seed. I'm gonna make your seed, I'm gonna make of you a great nation. Abraham had faith in God. It was something that he was hoping for. What is it that we hope for? What is it that we trust in? We trust in our eternal salvation, that there's more than just this life here upon this earth. That's something that we can have confidence in when we have faith in Almighty God, when we have faith in His Word, and He tells us, Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of life. Promises that God has made. I remind you of what we read. Paul, the Apostle Paul, stood before Felix in Acts chapter 24. In Acts chapter 24, beginning at verse 14, But this I confess to you, that according to the way which they call a sect, so I worship the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets, and I have hope in God, which they themselves also accept, that there will be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and of the unjust. I have a trust in God, there's going to be a resurrection. It's a promise that God made. There's more to things than just this life. We mentioned the idea of the armor from Ephesians chapter 6. There's another shorter, a little smaller section that uh, the Apostle Paul writes to the Thessalonians where he kind of hints to this idea of this armor there. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 8, he says, But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. Well, well how, how do we have that hope of salvation? It's because of our foundation of faith in God and in his word. And I hope you understand and realize that These hopes of eternal salvation are only through Jesus Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus says. No one comes to the Father except by me. So if mankind wants to think that they can get there all on their own, that's not going to work. If mankind thinks they can get to God through some other prophet, Muhammad, or someone else, Joseph Smith, make the list. You're not going to get those things except through Jesus Christ. These are hopes that we have, that we've not seen. But we do have the evidence to have faith in these things. And we talked a little bit about this earlier, of the the evidence that we have. The faith that we have is based upon evidence. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 18. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Our proof, our evidence is based upon God's word. Remember we mentioned the idea that our faith is not blind faith. It's based upon something that proves that which we have not seen with our eyes, that it does exist. And that evidence is growing stronger all the time. We've got a 66-book witness account 
The Bible is written by 40 different writers, all guided by the Holy Spirit. That's what Peter tells us in his second letter, chapter 1, verse 20 and 21. We've looked at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. All scripture is inspired of God. Paul says things that, that he and others wrote were not according to man's wisdom. Turn over and look at 2 Corinthians chapter, or 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. If you'll permit me let, me, let me read several verses here from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Paul writes, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. We have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things which have been freely given to us by God. These things we speak, we also speak not in words which man wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Did you catch what he was saying? Notice again verse 5. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Well, how do we know the things that are coming from God? Well, we learn it from God's Spirit. It's a crude way to illustrate this, but uh, I know there's several married couples here. Uh, many of you have been married for a number of years. I dare say that many of you, probably very much like, like Tanya and I, she, she can kind of know pretty much what I'm thinking long before I ever say anything. She can just look at me and know, okay, well, he's got that on his mind, okay. I'm not quite as good as she is at reading her like she is reading me, but, but she doesn't know except I tell her. Because as good as she is, she, she, can't, she doesn't know what's in my mind. She doesn't know what's in my spirit. She might have a good idea, based on history, she doesn't know. Any one of you, look at someone else and read their mind. We can't do it. But when the person tells us, hey, this is what I'm thinking, this is what I want, 
We know these things because it is told to us. That's what Paul is telling us is happening with the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit came and directed men on what God wanted from us. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages of our glory. What man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. I, I find that fascinating to think about. People that are walking around this earth and thinking, oh yeah, me and God, we're just like this. I know, I know what God really wants. Does it match up with what God tells you He really wants? Does it match up with what His Spirit has expressed? We have received not the Spirit of the world but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things, know the things that have been freely given to us by God. See, it's God's intention to provide all that we need to know. It's God's intention that He will provide all the things that we need to obey. All the things that we need to do to be saved. There are some things that we don't have the answers for. Just the, the simple story of Jesus writing on the sand. What did he write? I haven't a clue. And what that tells me is God says, you don't need to know what he wrote because I didn't tell you. There are still secret things of God. Deuteronomy 29 and verse 29 says, The th secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of, his, of this law. And within the New Testament, we have several witnesses to the physical existence of Jesus Christ and the works that he did, including his resurrection. You read the gospel accounts, they're an account of the life and the actions of Jesus Christ. John tells us in John chapter 20 that these things are written that we might believe and that believing we might have eternal life. We go through the book of Acts and we start in Acts chapter 2 and the apostles are standing up and proclaiming this Jesus of Nazareth whom you crucified has been made both Lord and Christ. Philip, when he comes upon the Ethiopian eunuch, he preaches Jesus to him. He tells him about the existence of Jesus and about his resurrection. The Apostle Paul spends, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we, we looked at it a little earlier this week. Paul goes through and gives uh, arguments looks at logical things to, to show that there's a resurrection. There's a resurrection from the dead. If there's not a resurrection from the dead, then guess what? Jesus didn't rise from the dead. But Jesus did rise from the dead. We have the evidence of that. And so there's going to be a resurrection of the dead for all. How is it that we can know that God exists and the Bible is a credible source. We looked at some things earlier in the week. I want to show you uh, a few things that we'll just kind of remind ourselves of. The prophecies that we have, the prophetic evidence 
Well, we have in Micah chapter 5 and verse 2 that tells us that, that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. 737 years later, that's what Matthew records for us, that in that town of Bethlehem, Joseph and Mary had made their way there because of the census that was going on, and they needed to get there, and they went to Bethlehem. We oftentimes read from the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 53, verses 3 through 12. It reminds us of the things that Christ is going to endure. The details that are given 718 years prior to them taking place of Jesus being hung on a cross. The things that he's going to suffer. And all of those things are fulfilled. And we have the detail of them. Of the beatings the crucifixion, the burial, all of these things are prophetic evidence. Psalm 69, verse 21, tells us of what is going to be offered to Jesus while he's on the cross. And it's recorded for us, the fulfillment of it in Matthew chapter 27 and verse 34. In Psalm 22 and verse 18, what's going to take place with his clothing? That's told to us in Matthew 27, verse 35. Isaiah chapter 2, verses 2 through 3. That this is going to take place in Jerusalem. It's recorded for us. How this was fulfilled in Luke chapter 2, and Luke chapter 24, and Acts chapter 2. These things took place in the city of Jerusalem. These were all told hundreds and hundreds of years prior. The prophets said this was going to take place, and it took place. It helps build our foundation of faith that can allow us to act. I'll give you a few other things to consider. We talked earlier about some archaeological uh, evidence. I mentioned uh, the pilot stone as, as one. But just think about some scientific examples, evidence that is given within the scriptures. Job chapter 38 Job 38, where Job talks about the paths within the sea. Job 38 and verse 16. Have you entered the springs of the sea, or have you walked in search of depths? This idea of having springs within the sea. Imagine we've got a body of water and, and there are springs. There are creeks and flowing water inside that. We all know that. We know that's taking place. The geological survey done in 1976 proved that. Springs in the sea that Job talked about. 2 Samuel chapter 22 in 2 Samuel chapter 22, in verse 16, talk of channels in the sea. Now, this is what is fascinating to me because of all the, the technology that we have where we're able to go and to map out the, uh, uh, the land that exists underneath the oceans. 
2 Samuel chapter 22, as David is talking to the Lord, notice what he says, verse 16. Then the channels of the sea were seen, the foundations of the world were uncovered at the rebuke of the Lord, at the blast of the breath of his nostrils. We can use radar and various technologies to to go and to map out these things, these channels that are underneath the depths of the ocean. Bible's told us about that thousands of years prior. We think about just simple things where God instructed man to do something. God gave a uh, instruction to Abraham and, and, and created this covenant with him and said this would be a sign of the covenant to have the, the males be circumcised on the eighth day. I wonder why, why the eighth day? Well, when you do a little research, the doctors tell us that the medical professions tell us that they realize that blood clots abilities are at their best on the eighth day after birth. And so we look at these things and we're able to see that's true. Well, guess what? God knew that 2,000 years before. And these are scientific evidence that God knows what he's talking about. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 22, telling us that the earth is round. As a geographer, it baffles my mind that there are people still today that want to claim the earth is flat. We've got satellites that are orbiting the earth regularly taking images and I'm not just talking about using the evidence of taking Google Maps and zooming out enough to see that that sphere there the Bible tells us this is what was taking place you know the story in 1492 Columbus sailed the ocean blue those early explorers Help verify. I don't want to say they proved anything. They verified what was already had been stated. Isaiah knew via inspiration in 700 BC. And so as we think about these things, we think about all this that builds our faith, that strengthens the foundation of our belief in God. So where is your faith? What is your faith doing? Do we show our belief, do we show our faith in God by obedience, by taking an action? Go back to the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews. I'm quite confident that there are many of you here that know where I'm going with this because this is a familiar passage to you. And we look through all of these verses. We read in verse 4, by faith Abel offered to God. We read in verse 5, by faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. Continue on in the chapter of verse 7. By faith Noah moved with godly fear. By faith Abraham obeyed. By faith he dwelt in the land. By faith Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. 
By faith they did something. Well, the question is, what are we doing? Do we have that type of faith? So that we go over to James chapter 2. We go over to James chapter 2, and let me start in verse 14. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which, they, which are needed for the body, what does it profit? That's really a strange thing to think about. It's really absurd to right-thinking individuals. People that have the cognizant ability to think about these things, to think that all they're going to do is say, hey, I want you to be warm and be filled. I know it's freezing outside, but I want you to be warm and to be filled. I have faith that you can be warm and be filled. And don't ever do a thing about it. That's what James is describing. So the conclusion, verse 17. Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you not, know, but do you, do you not want to know, O oh foolish man, that faith without works is dead? And then the example of Abraham. Abraham was justified by works. Abraham was justified by his faith. We have to understand that faith, true faith, is going to take action. Verse 22, do you see that faith was working together with his works and by, what, by works faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled which said, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness and he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. And then we have the example of Rahab. Think about the story of her. As those soldiers are marching around the city, she knows what's been told to her. And her faith produced an action so that she followed the instructions of those spies. And her house was saved. No reason to think that that's not still going to happen today. When God says, do these things and I will save you. What is your faith doing? It's a foundational principle. It's a very basic concept. But it's one that's taking action. It's one that is to be at work. We could spend a great deal of time going through lists of things of showing what the scriptures give us as examples of what we can do. James chapter 2. Don't just say be warm and be filled, but help the others. We're going to talk the rest of this week about a few other 
four pointed things that which faith will cause us to do. And I hope that you're able to come back to those. Before our lesson tonight, just understand true faith in God is a working faith. Are we at work? If we're not at work, then we might need to ask ourselves, do we really believe? You know, faith is described by James as a dead faith. We don't want a dead faith. We want to have an alive faith. There may be those in your audience this evening that need to render obedience to the gospel of Jesus Christ. One of the things that you can do to show your faith is be obedient to his instructions, what he's asked of you, to where he can forgive you of your sins. He's told us that if we will believe in his son, if we will repent of our sins, if we will confess our faith in his son and be baptized and have our sins washed away. It's an action that we can take. We can show our faith in God and the promises that he has made by taking those actions. Maybe those tonight that have done that in the past, but you realize you've let your faith dwindle away. Because you're not taking action, your faith is becoming dead. You can wake it back up. If you'll repent of your sins and ask God to forgive you. It's faithful and just to do so. Will you take the action necessary? Will you do it while we stand and sing to encourage you?